0: you are listening to i doubt it with me your host jesse Doloman, a podcast dedicated to free thinking discussion ideas skepticism but most importantly a good time Show. to our humble little show. I'd like to introduce my lovely sidekick sitting across from me, Brittany Page.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And I am your host, Jesse Dallamore. I am going to employ masterful, professional technique right now and use a wonderful segue into our very first topic. Are you ready? What's the deal with dream catchers. <laughs> you like that?
1: I didn't even know you were going to go there. So, yeah. I just thought of it. I was waiting here in suspense, like, wh- where is this going?
0: Well, first of all, we see them all over the place. You see them, I see them. It, you don't need to live in a certain area to have those goddamn things shoved in your face. Uh, I happened to see an amazing display of dream catchery uh, the other day. And it was while well, I was following behind someone. There's a, th- a couple things that I want to talk about about them, but I was following behind someone and that, you know, those family stickers with the stick figures that are stuck on the back. It was in that kind of sticker material centered on their, on their, on their back window. And it was a giant intricate dream catcher sticker. And well, first of all, well, Anyway, upon passing them, because clearly their car didn't drive fast enough, you'd think they they would wish for a better car because they were driving a rusted-out shitbox, of course. You you never see someone driving an SL500 Mercedes with a Dreamcatcher on the rearview mirror. mirror. That, that's never the case.
1: Certainly wouldn't see a sticker on the back of a car.
0: Right. There, there's never uh, a well-appointed Lamborghini or... A well-appointed Chrysler 300. Well, that might not be the case, but...
1: Wait a minute. You just said Lamborghini and then Chrysler 300. Well, I was going to go
0: down the scale to like a normal car. But you never see a nice car with a goddamn dreamcatcher hanging. But when I drove around the car, having been staring at this sticker dreamcatcher, I made a joke that they probably have multiple dreamcatchers on the river mirror. And upon passing them, they most certainly had multiple dream catchers this is, at this point, I really wish we could take live calls on the show because I would like to delve deep into this issue and get to the bottom of the phenomenon that is the dream catcher
1: How many is multiple two two okay
0: the lowest number possible for me to use the word multiple
1: that's disturbing
0: <laughs> so. I would really love a little feedback on this, because I have no idea what the what the proclivity is, what the what the drive, what the motivation is it people who really actually believe that they're catching dreams? Because if that was the case, this person he was he was storing them up for the winter. Uh, this guy was catching <laughs> some goddamn dreams.
1: Yeah, he was, <laughs>
0: but clearly not, or he's just not really dreaming big.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably that. He was
0: he was dreaming for the late model Nissan Sentra.
1: <laughs> oh, that's And not sad. enough
0: money for a regular car wash. Yes. Yeah.
1: Definitely. That was a dirty car.
0: So get at me and uh, let's hash this out. Speaking of dream catchers, some of you, uh, a dream has come true since the last we spoke on our previous episode about uh, the the late great or what well, he wasn't late at the time. He's definitely he's we,
1: definitely not great either yeah he's
0: gonna be late to the party from now on though because that guy is fucking dead Fred Phelps Fred Phelps <laughs> goner goner
1: at eighty four years old
0: and I am seeing a lot of a lot of the reaction that I expected coming from his death that uh we're gonna go pick at his funeral and and all the the stuff you would expect and I really really hope that not to completely repeat what we talked about last time but I really hope that he – that doesn't happen. I hope that th- the advice that we gave and the advice that – it's not just my original thought. I'm sure there's many people out there who feel that way, that we should just simply ignore him. Yes. I, I really hope that happens. So we uh, we shall see. I, I hope that – hopefully that the – when the head dies, the rest of the body dies, and the the rest of his congregation – Excommunicated or not, as he was, I I hope the rest of the congregation just withers and and dies on the vine. That would be spectacular.
1: That would be ideal.
0: Again, you know, having a less than a hundred people hold hold our country hostage relative to funerals and grieving and mourning is it's a terrible thing. And good riddance, Fred Phelps. And continuing with the the dream catching metaphor. Our next topic is about an article that a young lady named Shanice Joseph wrote for Time Magazine. I, I find it very, very interesting. There's a lot that could be gained if people who are in power, well, if we as citizens empower ourselves to vote the right people into office to make some changes.
1: Well, basically the summary of the article is that Shanice is a woman who comes from Watts, California, and everyone has heard of Watts obviously it doesn't have the best reputation high crime rate it's poverty stricken area the median household income is $25,000 a year
0: the 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 median household income or individual income the
1: median household income wow and the median household size is 4 people wow so that's pretty terrible And 2.9% of residents 25 and older have a four-year degree. Only 2.9%.
0: Not even
1: 3%. So it's not a good situation. And Shanice comes from this environment. And basically her, her article is about how she was told by a friend that she should get pregnant because the government will take care of her. She was in a situation where she was struggling to go to school and... Not having the funds to go to school, not being able to make ends meet, and she was talking to a friend, and the friend suggested that she get pregnant to solve her problems. The article goes on to talk about how there are many resources for young parents, but not many for college students, and on her own block, she recently counted a total of five programs for mothers her age or younger, and she says this obviously makes sense because one in five births in Watts are two teen mothers, which is another disturbing statistic, but um, she says the trouble with assistance programs, as she has seen it, is that they reinforce a cycle of poverty without offering a way out for young people like herself who want to pursue higher education and a career at least without having to get pregnant
0: that's I, that's a key that's a key aspect yeah Be- because it's it's kind of like the government says if you're we will help you out but you got to really fuck up your life first. Yeah. If if you're if you're a you know a rising star who comes from abject poverty and has a terrible life but you want to go to college, you've done what you need to do in high school, you're 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 achieving all the requisite goals to that point, you're on your own. You're going to have to tough it out. But what oh, you got knocked up? Hey, you're in the club now. We're going to pay for everything.
1: Yeah, she goes on to say her friend who has children qualifies for subsidized rent for a two to three bedroom apartment in her complex, and that she qualifies for a Section 8 voucher under which the government pays up to 70% of her rent.
0: Which is not so much in Watts because I'm certain that the real estate prices are a lot lower there. But even in, like, here in Orange County, just for your average one little tiny one bedroom apartment. It's it's fifteen hundred dollars, and that's we're talking about a basic, no air conditioning, little shitty apartment is fifteen hundred bucks. So, like I said, it's I'm sure it's not that much. Watts, real estate prices and rent rental prices aren't crazy crazy expensive like they are in the rest of L.A. County and the in the rest of L.A. But I'm sure it's pricey. So seventy five percent is a chunk of change.
1: Yeah, well, and one of the things that Shanice talks about in this article is how difficult it is to, when you're trying to transition out of poverty, because she comes from obviously a family who's uneducated, who doesn't have money. And she's trying to get out of that by going to school.
0: Because it is a cycle.
1: And she talks about how getting into Long Beach City College, where she now studies sociology, was very difficult. But staying enrolled in college has proven to be much more difficult because she needs a computer and the internet. And she didn't have a computer, a printer, or the internet when she first started school. And she would have to wake up at 5 a.m. and travel over an hour away by bus to school. She would have to use the neighborhood library, which is a five-minute walk from her house, and has free Wi-Fi, which is great, she says, if you have a computer. But most of the people in Watts do not, obviously. And She said at the library, there's two outdated computers available to adults, each with a 15-minute time limit. Obviously, not long enough for her to get her homework done. For sure. So it's kind of like she is trying to do the right thing, but she's having to work super hard to do it.
0: It's The bar is, is a lot higher for her. There's a lot more road bumps in the way for her than someone of middle income or a rich kid.
1: Yes, and she shouldn't have to feel like, oh, if I got pregnant... I would get some help here. It should be, well, where are we going to start funneling the resources to help people? Shouldn't we help the people who are motivated to help themselves and are already trying?
0: Well, look, it's not – I'm not making a judgment call here about the efficacy of the welfare or social spending in general, but there's an argument to be made that that it doesn't work that well. The, the conversation that I'd like to put forward is just a question, and it's wouldn't – it be better and let's speak generationally let's say a 20 to 25 30 year span of time if as a country we spent both on welfare and on social programs wic and food stamps and welfare and the section 8 housing and all that that candy that so many people they they shit on it but It does serve a purpose. I think it's wildly overused, and I think it's wildly abused, but that's a conversation for another day. If we were to, as a country, spend the same money we're spending now on those types of programs, but then also spend a lot of money, and it would be a lot of money, on helping these poor, disadvantaged kids who come from this cycle of poverty, because – She comes from – she talks about her background. Her mom had her when she was a teenager, and none of her her family has any education whatsoever. I think elementary educations. They came from Panama or something. So if we were to spend a good amount of money facilitating the education of these people, they're not going to continue this cycle of poverty. And I would postulate that after a generation or in the course of a generation – we're going to stop that cycle that you would be spending far less on that welfare side. Both could be considered welfare, but you're going to spend far more on the, on the side previously talked about and the cycle and the balance would shift. So once you get a person in college, they're going to make more money. They're going to have typically statistically fewer children. They're going to be able to support those children. And then those children will go to college because their parents went to college. So that welfare spending, that first type of spending is going to eventually evaporate. You're not going to have to spend that much because you've educated them out of poverty.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that she's making an important point because when I first moved to California, the first friend that I made at college was a girl who was 21 years old. She had a child, and she would tell me all the benefits that she got just by having a child
0: the way i hear it she didn't just tell you about the benefits she was she was trumpeting the benefits and and bragging about the benefits because in my opinion she wildly misused them
1: yeah well why wouldn't you brag when you're getting a gas card a A gas
0: card free gas for your car
1: free daycare all day that she would leave her child in even when she wasn't at school so that she could go party you know, free tuition, all of these things, she was getting benefits for just being a mom. And I come from a household where neither of my parents made it past the 10th grade. And I got funding through pale grants for coming from a poor family. So I was able to make it through school, but I never bragged about those things. And I, that was the only thing that I got, you know, and I, I, I didn't have a kid I got super good grades and Shanice is making the same point here, which is we should be supporting people who are making decisions that are going to create healthy lives in the future and not be rewarding people who are making decisions that could take them off the right track.
0: It's we need to be and This is going to be so cliche, but we need to spend proactively not reactively don't, have this knee-jerk, oh, you had a kid, ah, here's a bunch of money. We need to spend, oh, here's some money, use it wisely. And You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be meritless spending. It doesn't have to be unchecked spending. You have to maintain grades. If you don't maintain grades, you're out of here. You have to do community service. Some, you know, create uh, and foster citizenship, involvement, and... You're going you're gonna to reap untold benefits, I believe.
1: I think that's the most telling part of Shanice's article in Time, which is the final paragraph. She says, it sends the wrong message that safety net programs reward acts that delay college, such as having a baby, dropping out of high school, even committing a crime, rather than providing incentives to promote college enrollment and graduation. I worry that this bias in offerings, a lack of resources for students, and an abundance of support for criminals, teen mothers, and dropouts is one reason why there are so few college graduates in my community. Assistance with housing and support for college goals would create an incentive for kids growing up in poverty to try to do better, and and it would help young people like me complete school once we get there.
0: That's another good point that uh, I didn't touch on. It's obviously we're going to be curbing the tide of unwed mothers and that cycle of poverty. But it's also would be curbing, you know, people talk about how America has the highest number of inmates, uh, imprisoned people on the planet. And that's all true. And and I'm sure, and this, again, is a conversation for another day, but our prisons aren't filled with fucking innocent people. They're there for a reason. I'm sure that there's a scant percentage that are innocent people that were wrongly convicted. But on the large, that's not it. And I would invite you, if you agree with that, if you don't agree with me, check yourself in on some kind of a investigative journalism assignment and hang out with these types and see how safe you are with the wrongly convicted humans. But we would be also curbing the tide of of, of inmates in our prisons because – when you incentivize someone to have a kid, you're incentivizing them into poverty because we're not paying for lavish lifestyles. We're paying for bare minimum. It's not working. What we're doing right now is not working. And even if we spend for 20 years, we're making an investment in future taxable income. Exactly. I It'll pay off. Yeah. I It'll think it come will. back. I think it will. Well, you know, that leads us uh, to another... I just realized that our topics are very... Heavy. They're heavy. The, the other topic I want to talk about is a charity in Washington, D.C.
1: Although it's kind of funny, though, because it's so disturbing that it has to... We thought it was maybe a joke.
0: I had to do a little investigating to determine whether or not this charity was real, and it th- they're real.
1: The charity is the D.C. Abortion Fund, and... Donors who sign up to give $10 a month or more receive a coat hanger pendant yeah, hang as on. a token of thanks.
0: I-, I, wanted, I, want to, uh, I want to get right on the record right now. We are not talking about the legality, the morality, the, the ethics of abortion. We're not, even, we're not talking about that issue at all. <laughs> that is not the topic. You can believe what you're going to believe. You can believe it's murder. You can believe that it's a woman's choice. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is, if you pledge to donate $10 a month, you get a necklace of a fucking coat hanger for your neck.
1: There is a picture of a girl wearing it on this website.
0: Which we will put on our Facebook page, of
1: course. I thought this had to be a joke, because, and I I was talking to Jesse, I'm like, is this... D.C. abortion fund in support of abortion because I don't I was confused as to why they would be giving a coat hanger pendant. Yeah.
0: Obviously, it's a it's a symbol of of death. And well, I guess Christians wear the crucifix and the cross. So that's that's also a, a morbid, weird symbol of death. But again, that's a conversation for another day.
1: Yeah. And so Jesse kind of explained this in a way that really made sense, which is they're in support of abortion. They are using this as a symbol as continue to support us because if you don't support us and a woman's right to choose, this is what we'll go back to is coat hanger abortions.
0: Coat hanger in the alley, you know, prom night dumpster baby. I just can't
1: imagine meeting anybody wearing this. And then if you don't know what it is, you're like, oh, is that a is that a hanger around your neck?
0: Are you are you a fan of uh, the the movie Mommy Dearest? (laughs) Or... Can you, I just imagine meeting someone at a bar and like, oh, you're big, uh, big back alley abortion fan, huh? Or <laughs> your, did your, was your dad, did that, is that what he did? Is that? No. Th-
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's the first place that my mind would go. I, I might ask that question person if they liked. Clothing a lot if they like to organize closets if they're in the closet business (laughs) they
0: like to organize closets. I mean,
1: I wouldn't immediately go to the back alley abortion thing. Are you
0: the uh, illegitimate daughter of Jay Pritchett, (laughs) Modern Family? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It is uh, dcabortionfund dot org slash donate. If you're listening to this prior to me putting it up on the Facebook page,
1: and you, if you want to give $10 a month, that's you can, where you go to.
0: You if can... you want your very own wire hanger aborting implement pendant, this is the link.
1: It's beautiful. It is
0: wacky as shit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's still, I cannot, I keep thinking maybe I didn't do enough due diligence and it's just fake. No. and if it is fake hey kudos that's that's some good times right there
1: there's people tweeting to the dc abortion fund in support of it and so i think it's real
0: yeah wow it's almost worth giving a few dollars to get myself a wire hanger a coat coat hanger as a symbol and why abortion access matters
1: I think it would look really good on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe they, if you give more, like fifty dollars a month, they'll bling it out and like.
1: Or just give bedazzle. you a life-size one.
0: Well, then I'd be like Flavor Flav with a <laughs> clock around my neck.
1: <laughs> then it would provide a great opportunity to have an abortion discussion.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a conversation starter. That's for sure. Yes. So, also something new on the show, I want to introduce a segment. That we are going to be calling the Religious Roundup. I want to, in the, the segment that follows, I want to introduce my best friend Brett. He wrote a piece, he wrote an, a note on Facebook that I call uh, an open letter to Christians, and it describes his deconversion. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to our new regular segment on the show, The Religious Roundup. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Thanks for joining us at the Religious Roundup. All right, Brett. Well, welcome to the show. Howdy. In the inaugural segment that will be called, as you heard in the intro, the Religious Roundup, uh, I want to introduce Brett uh, Brett is my very best friend for the last twenty five years, and we We both have very similar backgrounds, um, a little bit different, but you know relatively similar where it relates to how much church time we logged <laughs> <laughs> in our lives um, and we 're both being atheists we 're both very frequently asked, you know what happened, why did you leave?" what happened to you? You know, how many priests raped you? We uh, weren't Catholics. <laughs> we weren't Catholics, but we're always asked these, these questions and it's either very pointed and accusatory or it's with the, the sympathy that you would expect from, from a Christian. Um, I call it his open letter to Christians and it really, it delineates so many great points and it's, it's masterfully written if I, If I do say for you, myself. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So, um, because this is something that I haven't really talked about on the show, which is my background in Christianity, um, and I'm not really going to get in-depth about how I left and all that, but suffice it to say, I was pretty much raised in the church. I had a a, a pretty flighty mom who would, you know, we would switch from the church, away from the church. She would do the, and I still haven't developed my quote-unquote noise, but she 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 uh, she would backslide and, you know, the the her insatiable thirst for the drink and partying would would draw her back. She was a young, a, you know, 19 year old and had me. So she would backslide. We would we, we would shift back and forth from being actively involved, super actively involved to not at, not at all. So uh, I was definitely a, a church kid. And uh, I know that's. In stark contrast to to your background, uh, why don't you uh, fill everybody in on on what your situation is or was?
2: Well, sure. I uh, single mom like like Jesse. Uh, my mom didn't have anything to do with the church. Um, I don't know why I actually went to the church. I don't know what it was. I I was a pretty lonely kid, uh, unpopular. I was I was beyond hyperactive. Uh, the only drug they had at the time was Ritalin. My mom refused to put me on it, which I respect her to this day for, um, doing that. Um, but as a consequence, people weren't really happy with the fact that I was out of my fucking mind all the time, uh, when I was little. So I got it in my mind somehow that I wanted to go to church. So when I was 12, I went to church and took all of that energy that I had and I poured it into, I poured it into God. I poured it into everything that I found in church, the, uh, the people the open-armed acceptance of everything i was and who i was i uh i don't know how else to explain it other than to say i i just fell head over heels in love with with god and the church and uh everything that that it was about and i was uh extremely fervent for well, my entire my the entire time i was in church uh, i was very very uh passionate about my belief in god i was the only kid at the front of the church every Sunday, every Wednesday with my hands straight up in the air, weeping, praising God, just so thankful that I had a fucking friend. <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah, what went yeah. down to you or a father figure.
0: <laughs> I well, I, I get that not from the, well, from the father figure perspective, but from the, the emotionality of being just pouring yourself into, I mean, it was a form of therapy. Oh yeah. You know, it changed much, my life.
2: It changed my life in, in every way that is good. It, I went from a D student to an A and B student, and uh, I went from a, a very ill-behaved child to trying every day to bring my uh, my overabundance of energy into check. Um, I just tried to be a better person, and, uh, and you know I owe that to the
0: church. Related to your your inability to behave, and man, I hope we touch on some of your awesome stories uh, in the the segments to, that, that will follow this one on. <laughs> On future episodes. <laughs> Man, he was a great kid.
2: Yeah. That whole uh I wasn't able to, to be well behaved for, you know, too long of too 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 long of segments <laughs> in my life. I would do pretty well Let, for a while and then,
0: you know. Let's just say self control wasn't one of your hallmark features. It certainly was not. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I, I understand the hurt that you feel being a you know I was a fatherless child i didn't i didn't meet i knew the name of but did not meet my biological father until I was eighteen years old, so and never spoken to him didn't know what he looked like. It was just rumor and innuendo up to that i i mean up until that point, I thought there was a possibility that I was immaculately conceived uh, It was only my mom's wild lifestyle that led me from that opinion
2: how old were you I, w- I was 16 when I met my my real father. How, how old you were? Like 18 or something, were you?
0: Yeah, 18. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it was it was bizarre. Anyway, not to, to 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 sidetrack you off your story. Go ahead. So you you well, hands hands raised. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and in you know, in thinking about
2: this uh, this segment of the show today, I I really got to thinking about. The open letter to Christians that I wrote is is somewhat of a testimony. You know, if if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you definitely know what a testimony is. It's how you came to God. If you uh, if you're an ex-Christian, uh, then I think that this will speak to you because that open letter to Christian is somewhat of a testimony about how I came to be away from God and how I came to find all of those things in my in myself that I used to that I used to look for and seek in in a God or in a relationship with that. I found it in myself later on. So it's a bit of a testimony. I don't think I have a, a – I don't think that there's anything in particular that separates me from a lot of ex-Christians or even Christians that are uh, currently going through the questioning phase of their life, except that when I was young, uh, I think that I was a little different than most kids in that I, I have experienced cognitive dissidence. From the time that I can remember, and I don't think a lot of kids are self-actualized enough to really experience that. So when I was young, and I started –
0: Why don't you explain for those who don't know cognitive dissonance?
2: Well, cognitive dissonance is when you have two conflicting ideas in your head at one time, and your brain's trying to reason out, and you're you're trying to live with both of these conflicting ideas. So, for instance, for me, the idea of hell never. That never went with the idea of a of a infinitely loving God. Those two ideas didn't make sense. Everybody, all these people, they're going to go and they're going to burn in hell and be tortured forever because they didn't believe this, including my mom, which was very distressing for me, while at the same time, God loves everybody completely and totally. Those ideas are conflicting. It's cognitive dissonance. I don't think a lot of kids really struggle with that. They think they, they hear things and they just are like, yeah, right on. But I yeah. struggled with it from a young age. And so so the questions... Uh, became my "quote unquote" downfall.
0: Yeah. Well, that that actually leads me. I, I wanted to first of all uh, this this open letter. I'm going to share by whatever means. I'm going to get it on the Facebook page so people can actually go and read it and comment and and interact with with it. Thanks. Hopefully in in pure ways, not. In pure
2: <laughs> ways. Well, I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever really... get whatever gets you going. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just want it to be be useful and helpful to people. So, you know, whatever floats your boat, guys.
0: I want to read a little bit from it, again, with my highly technological note-taking ability here. Um, This this paragraph. uh, I was only able to continue with God for a few more years because the simple questions from my youth evolved into very complicated questions that went far beyond my own issues. There were social implications like teen pregnancy, abortion, right to die, Christian children getting married because they wanted to have sex, and finding themselves in terrible loveless marriages, the death penalty, and the real biggie, homosexuals. My mind was constantly swirling with why this and why that, how can this be, if this is, and on and on. I'm a very empathetic man. I had and still have so much compassion that it overflowed and began corrupting the things I had to believe to continue to be a Christian. The battle was on between my understanding of love and morality and the Bible's explanation of these things and they didn't line up. That, that for me was the, it's the hallmark piece of text that you wrote in this piece. And I think that the idea of your love, your compassion, your empathy, those wonderful qualities that they corrupted Christianity. What I take from that is that you're, you're too empathetic for Christianity. You have too much compassion to be a Christian. That's an amazing concept, and I really would like you to, to explain that a little further.
2: Well, again, it's cognitive dissonance. I, I, from the, well, for I, I, a great example, uh, from the first time I ever met a gay guy, and I asked him if uh, he thought he was born that way, and he told me, I knew for a fact he was telling the truth. I just knew it. And in that moment, my worldview on homosexuality changed. And I, I, I couldn't go on to stand on some pedestal and to, to point a finger and to, uh, and to say that, you know, your lifestyle that you're choosing to live this way and that your lifestyle is an abomination to God. That didn't make sense to me. So, so in that regard, my morality overcame what. What the Christian Bible and religion was telling me, I should believe. So I, I just couldn't do it, you know, and it goes into all of those other things that you mentioned as well. They're very important. You know, I saw kids wanting to have, wanting to have sex and so getting married. And I saw marriage after marriage coming to an end as a result of that. And it was heartbreaking. It
0: was heartbreaking. I think that's, that, I think that's still, um, very problematic today.
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's terrible, which is why to bring it around that, you know, I, I am an empathetic guy, you know. Hey, I'm a lover. And as a matter of fact, it, it, there's an there's an irony to it in that uh, when I was in the church, and you'll remember this, when you're in the church, you work in whatever gift God gave you. Some people are, you know, some people are preachers and leaders and teachers. Some people are this. Some people are that. And these are gifts of God, and there's biblical reference to it. I, I don't have it in front of me. But my gift that I was told early on was always discernment, which which goes hand in hand with empathy. So, in other words, I I have a pretty keen sense and an intuition. I can usually tell if somebody's a liar. In the church, meant that I could, you know, I might be able to tell if there's demon stuff going on or whatever. But anyway, the fact that <laughs> I've got great stories for that as well, but that's for
0: another time. Yeah, for
2: sure, for sure. But the irony is that that discernment that I had. You know, I could look at this, I could look at this guy who, who became a great friend of mine who was a homosexual and I could tell he was absolutely telling me the truth. He didn't make any choice. He was born that way. Never, never tell a guy that I just have too much compassion. It's not patting myself on the back. It's just the way that I am. So to bring it full circle, I've been out of the church now longer than I was ever in the church and I'm still the same empathetic, compassionate guy, which is why I'm fighting so hard to, to work on de-converting as many Christians as possible to help them to see that there's a better way, man, and there's a better life, and they don't need this bullshit. They don't have to live with cognitive dissonance. It's important to me.
0: So you're telling me, let's let's stop the presses here for a second. You're telling me that you can be a good, loving, (laughs) compassionate, truly empathetic person without religion?
2: I'll tell you what. I, I can tell you this for a for a fact, I have been where Christians have been i've been where Christians are, and i've felt the freedom from belief in an unjust reward and punishment system that's directly out of the letter to open Christians. I feel more right now and I feel more compassion, and they're truer because they're 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 me and they're
0: not like, there's they're not no, there's no threat, on threat of rules like, there's no threat of punishment of eternal burning wailing and gnashing of teeth hanging over your head.
2: No, oh, man, my feelings are my own. They're based on my own heart, my own desires, my own rules. They're more pure because of that. You know, if I give to charity, it's because it's in my heart to do so. And it's not because I'm trying to live by some code in order to be pleasing to some God. When I feel empathy and I use my ability to discern situations, it's me. You know, it's my heart. It's not some gift, quote unquote, that I, that I should be thankful for. It's just, it's who I am. And I feel... That I that I need to use whatever that is to to try to bring other people to the light. I can't. I, I swear to God, I cannot get away from this Christian terminology. It's fucking hilarious.
0: <laughs> well, it I plays. want people it, to see
2: know, the it, light, man. I'm I want to be it, the voice it, in the bush.
0: <laughs> it plucks it plucks at the heartstrings. It does. and and not to, to belabor the point, but I also I also have a gift that was that I it was prophesied over me and that was given to me. Unlike yours, even when I was in the church, it was the same as it is now that I'm an atheist. It was the gift of being a complete and total prick
2: i remember I remember them calling you to <laughs> the front and and asking for the for the uh intolerable prick message from God
0: that's right, yeah, they had the elders come around the deacons of the church, they put their hands on me, oh, yeah. yeah, it was good. when you would
2: go up during Sunday service and do specials, you know instead of singing, you would just get up and. Point
0: finger. I was an insult. Just an insult comic. (laughs) I'm the Christian Don Rickles. Where'd you get that fucking tie, jackass?
2: (laughs) Oh man, those are some good days right there.
0: Those are some great. Oh, that's hilarious. So, tell a little bit, I guess, about your your the final death knell, the your your departure. Kind of how it went down. Sure. And obviously, there's not some seminal moment.
2: No, it was, a, it was it was a long, arduous progression. You know, another great irony to to my story though is that I went to Christian College, and it was in Christian College being taught by some of the most amazing professors that that I that I'd ever met in my life up until then, and that I still have memories of them being as such.
0: To, to verify your story, and not that you're, we have to verify anything, but I remember very plainly when when you were in school and you being super on fire for, you know, to use more Christian terminology, very on fire for God. You weren't a lukewarm Christian. You were seeking the face of God and came to these conclusions. So oh, it wasn't yeah. like you were, you, were, you weren't looking for a way out.
2: No, man, not at all. I wasn't even... The more I learned, the more heated, for lack of a better term, I became for God. Because the problem was becoming that the more I was learning, the more questions I was having. And this is even before a lot of the social implications became um, so paramount to me. But the more I was learning, the more it was reeking of bullshit. So the more fired up I got, because I just I had to side with that with the 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 two dogs in my brain that were fighting. I had to side with that white dog. Who was like, it's all about God. I had to keep siding with him, and so I just got more passionate about it. The entire time, though, it was fake. You know, I mean, I would say that that if the, if there was a final death throw, to use your words, um, it would have been maybe in the last uh, two months of the time that I was in school and going to church, and I was fighting so hard to to be the best Christian I could be, but it was already over. That white dog had gotten devoured. He was gone. He wasn't even That's there racist. anymore.
0: That's racist.
2: Well, yeah, for sure. Well, no, the black dog won. Oh, fuck, oh. Fuck the whitey.
0: All right, black power.
2: Down with whitey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh,
0: At least it was a black dog with a white cowboy hat.
2: Yeah, because he was a good guy.
0: And this is the Religious Roundup.
2: <laughs> Very nice. Speaking of bringing it around. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so anyway, I just – I learned too much is what it boiled down to. Uh, I just learned too much in school. Uh, I got – I started delving into Away From, which you you yourself experienced because we had thousands, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, of conversations about this very subject and about about it in every exhaustive form that you can imagine. It just wasn't about reading the Bible and hearing all of this Christian mythology about how awesome God is and all these things. It was really delving down and learning about how the Bible was written, the hist- historicity of the Bible, where it came from, uh, the history of the church and how it was founded, all the denominations that came about, just
0: just all of it, all of it, and, and discovering it's that. Still, we have had – we had back then thousands of conversations, and here we are 25 years later still having some of the same conversations, but with a little different flair on them. I mean, it's it, it, this is fascinating stuff that it never, ever gets old. I mean, people can only have so many conversations about football, <laughs> and I'm a football fan, but this is a subject that just it never diminishes in, 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 in how interesting it is.
2: Well, you know, there's a, there's a billion people on the planet that, that believe this, you know, and it's so it's so easy when you're an atheist to to try to pigeonhole, you know, believers into into this unintelligent little zone. And it's just it's it's completely untrue. You know, as I said, some of the most intelligent people I, I met when I was in school held to this faith. And I, I don't I didn't get it then and I don't get it now. But what I do know and what I do believe, uh you could call it faith if you want to. But based on my own life and what I've seen in in you, what I've seen in other friends of mine that have come followed the same path is that there is greater happiness you can absolutely you can get a hold of that with your mind even a little bit, start to question and start to give a little bit of root to those questions that you've got i It's a happier life it's more fulfilling in in every way you know
0: it's it's just very difficult to get that message through it's one of the things that bothers me so much about some christians with whom i speak about the subject that i i get this a lot and this is them speaking i know that you still believe in god <laughs> i know it. it that my little brother actually uh, 3 weeks ago told me that very thing and i love my brother with everything I have, so it didn't really offend me. Speaking of smart people who believe. Yeah, 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 right. Super genius and is a fervent fundamentalist believer. But it, it bothers me that Christians would be so haughty to be so arrogant as to tell me what I do and don't believe when I'm, I don't have any reason to, to tell anything other than the truth that I, I don't believe in any gods. You know, I've got that T-shirt that says, we're all atheists, I just believe in one fewer god than you. (laughs) I love that. And it's it's so true. Yeah. What what makes them so different that they don't believe in Odin, they don't believe in, in Apollo or Zeus or Mars or any of these other thousands and thousands of gods?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm a little... I'm a little more sympathetic
0: with, again,
2: (laughs) yeah, well, you know, it is what it is, is. you know, I don't think everyone has the ability to discern, you know, I consider myself lucky that, that, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm an extremely self-actualized person in that I I question everything all the time, you know, I think anybody with that gift should, should feel, uh, should feel lucky. And I think so many people can hear all the evidence against the Bible, and it won't even faze them.
0: Uh, yeah, but what, where does that come from where they say I know that you still believe.
2: Well, I think that it seems like an arrogance, but it's it's just it's just an indoctrination. They they, they believe it. You know, they believe it. I I remember when I was young, uh when I was uh, uh working at this hotel and there was an atheist guy who worked there and we used to get in conversations all the time. And I remember thinking in my mind that exact thing, but not just thinking it and not being arrogant about thinking it about him or telling it to him but truly believing it and not only truly really believing it but also believing that if i told him that that the holy spirit would move through me and would affect him in a positive way
0: yeah it's bizarre
2: it's it's just it's full on indoctrination you know you, you just and that's that's where the fight comes in that's where the deep Programming comes in, you know, we can attack, we can attack these guys left and right, you know, these, these Christians left and right, and many deserve it, but there are too many out there that, that they do good, you know, they're not hurting anybody, they're living their little lives, and they're going to church on Sundays, and they love God, and they're indoctrinating their kids, the problem is, and the reason it's so important to keep moving on against it, is that the overall cost in belief these days is too high. Reason has become a transgression, and knowledge yeah. has become the enemy of faith. There's a there's an old Martin Luther quote, and this is, this is a very popular and current thing that's happening within the Christian ranks, uh, but it goes back to as far as Martin Luther. He said that reason is the greatest enemy that faith has. If that's the yeah. case, if Christians believe that, and if that's what they're pushing right now, then all bets are off, man. All bets are off, and I feel responsible and so should every free thinking person out there who believes that education and knowledge is important that this it should be eradicated as a threat.
0: There are several quotes by Joyce Myers and that that Hage guy in Texas that, that that mirror that same that same rationale that as, as soon, soon as people start using their brains and using logic and reason that that is. That is a, a direct opponent to faith, and it 's just God, if God exists, God gave us the brains that we have to reason but yeah. why it, would why would a God a creator, God, give us an ability contrary? God would just make us dogs that don 't think they just react like a like a gnat or a or a, a single celled organism. A God wouldn't give us, in my estimation, unless that God is a cruel bastard. <laughs> well,
2: another great irony is that the, that the church, so the Christians, the part of the doctrine, they believe that God doesn't want it that way. That's why he gave us a choice to, you know, a choice to believe or to not believe because we have minds to make choices. But the, and I hate to keep using irony, but it is fully ironic that God gave us these minds because he wants us to choose him. But at the same time to not use the minds and the reason to discover that belief in him is completely unbelievable. And it's, and it's total bullshit, you know, which, you know, realistically, if, if anybody, you know, I really, uh, what's that guy's name right now? Uh, uh, Ryan, who he's the trying atheism on for a year. Ryan bell, Ryan bell. Yeah. Uh, Facebook buddy of both of ours. Uh, I, I have a ton of respect for that guy because he's willing to do something that I have very, I've never seen it before in, uh, from a Christian. And I, and I would challenge any Christian out there to try to put themselves through this. He's gonna go ahead and he's gonna try it on. He's gonna try it on because he believes when he went into this that he has the faith to withstand trying it on. And he's doing it for real. He's asking the questions. He's, he's looking into it. And what's interesting is if you follow him, you'll see that it's, I, I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't see things going well for this guy at the end of his year for being back in church. It's. It's only been a few months, and the questions that he's asking and that he's really given given um,
0: precedence in his life, they're they're too much. They're too much. Well, he's he, he's asking these questions and writing about these issues and really exploring it. It's not just fr- from all all indications from everything I can see. Um, I haven't sat down with him and looked into his eyes, but he seems like he's really delving deep. Yeah. He's really trying to get to the bottom of these paradoxes that exist, exactly. that you have, you have to buy into these impossible situations to, to be a believer. Yeah.
2: So there's, there's a great challenge, you know, that I would, I would pitch out there. You know, if you, If you know that you know that you know that it's all real and true, and you know, and if you were a Christian and you're hearing what I just said, you'll, you, you understand that. You'll relate to it. If you know that you know, then, then don't be afraid of the questions. And certainly, certainly don't believe that seeking knowledge and, and using your ability to reason are enemies of your faith. They are not. They're not enemies. They're the best thing that you could possibly do for yourself. And if your faith is strong, If your faith is real, and if your God is real and won't let you go, then you've got nothing to worry about. Continue asking questions, man. Ask them, and if you can't find answers, fucking jot it down. And in a year, you'll have a book because there aren't answers to a lot of the most important questions.
0: If you do trust the Bible and your faith is strong, then you know that God will finish the good work that he started in you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That is something that's been pulled out on me many, many times. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, As always, if you have comments on this segment or any other, uh, give our voicemail line a call. It's 657-464-7609. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to incorporate your questions or your comments or your vitriol into the show. So give it a call. Uh, If you have questions for Brett, you can directly get at him on Twitter. His Twitter address is skepticbrainman. It's at skepticbrainman, and uh, I'm sure he would love to to hash it out with you. Yep. So uh, I thank you, Brett. Thanks for coming on, and uh, this is going to be a good time. This is going to be uh, uh, several segments with uh, the religious roundup. They're going to be uh, they're going to be fun.
2: Yeah, I look forward to it.
0: All right. Listen, we want to thank you for tuning in to I Doubt It with Jesse Dallamore, And we really hope to see you next time with a brand new episode.